Hey, coming up on the podcast, we're going to hit up movies based on TV shows. There are literally dozens of them, and we have a lot of discussion about said uh, topic. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Magnificently Huge Podcast, the only podcast you're listening to right now, presumably. Uh, this week, we're going to hit up kind of a nebulous sort of uh, subject. It's movies based on TV shows. So um, you, you've surely seen something at this stage, uh, but they really didn't become prevalent until, I don't know, roughly the 90s. So we've only really been blessed with them for about 30 some odd years. There are plenty of bad ones, there are plenty of good ones, etc., etc. Uh, so we're going to touch on that. But basically, it's uh, if you've seen a show that you've liked and adored and uh, everybody knows about it, at some point it's going to become an, a movie version of said show. But do you do it as a straight-up interpretation? Do you do it as a comedy, ironic sort of thing? Or do you just go weirdness and uh, just take the idea to a whole different level? It's There's a lot of stuff you can do, and so that's what we'll chat about. But if you uh, like what we have to say, reach out to us, gmail.com. Just let us know your thoughts, your prayers, your recipes, whatever. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, at MagHuge, or on Instagram and Facebook as well. Or you can head on over to our website, magnificentlyhuge.com or maghuge.com, if you will. And uh, leave us some messages so you can find links and whatever as well. And uh, that's pretty much the deal. Uh, otherwise, you can find us wherever you watch uh, podcasts. So that's iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, whatever. I mean, you're listening now, so you know the drill. So, uh, movies based on TV shows. That's the deal this week. Hope you enjoy, and uh, we'll catch you on the flippy flop. Excelsior. And welcome back to the Magnificently Huge Podcast, the Internet's only movie podcast i'm eric yes hey eric i'm brian i'm chris we also do music and occasionally tv oh fuck i i got so close to getting it right yeah you're right should have been like pop culture (laughs) yeah welcome i mean we've only been doing this yeah that's about as close to successfully doing an intro as we've ever done and and i still fuck right okay practice makes no you didn't no No, Chris yeah. just didn't yes and you. He just decided to be like yes. But oh yeah, that's you. right. You yeah. prick. So, you know. Play along. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> your fault. I'm sorry. Yes, we we only do movies. Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's all we do. That's totally how you yes and you amateur. <laughs> More importantly, we're the only podcast by a bunch of old white dudes. Yeah, I'm tired of arguing with this nitwit. Yes, <laughs> and fresh, let's do the fresh shit. Fresh shit. <laughs> this shit is fresh. Hey, it's the segment where we do new things we've been watching and doing. Who's got fresh shit? Uh, I have some momentous fresh shit. I I went saw Depeche Mode on their Memento Mori tour. It's a big giant arena show, 
and it's I think it's the first giant arena show I've seen since uh like maybe the Beastie Boys in 1998. Wow. So wow. It's uh, okay. it's been a while. It's been a while. And they haven't changed too much except for the the the, the AV component is definitely <laughs> uh taken over the actual musical performance is uh what I'm looking at here with Depeche Mode. I'm wondering if that's the sure. case across every concert now. I think we we had a mini discussion about it, Brian, and you suggested that it's possibly that's the case now, where the AV is pretty much ubiquitous. Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna broadcast to a, a stadium that big, and if you think about like the big stadium tours, you know, even back in like your Pink Floyd's or whatever, right? They're highly technical shows, and they, you know, in order to keep the light show and and all of that in sync, there's there's definitely a you know a sense of things being programmed. And running in the same sequence, it's almost right. more like theater than a concert. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I looked um, at uh, I looked compared set lists from this show here in Chicago to some other shows on the tour, and with the exception of like the leadoff encore song, like everything is the same. Which makes sense because they have this giant like rear projection LED fantabo timed out yeah. to whatever like, they're gonna do. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, and then they're doing like this very choreographed visual show to what's going on on stage. But then so, you, you figure like I, most people are not used to like you know any kind of live entertainment. It kind of makes sense that they would make it more like watching TV. Yeah, and that's pretty much what it felt like to a degree. It was sort of like I was watching an immersive VR version of the concert <laughs> version of the concert. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just weird. Yeah. Uh, like I go to see a lot of bands and yeah, I mean, most of the time you're getting actual live instrument performances, right? Some, sometimes they're supplemented by tracks that that's definitely a thing. Yeah. Um, but you realize that every drummer working today, their real job is sticking those monitors in their ears and having to do the whole performance <laughs> with the never ending metronome yeah, the banging on their eardrums, the click, click track, click, click, yeah. click all the time. Right. So, Yeah. But I mean, it was it was good. I mean, there there are very few bands out there that have been doing it this long and are still able to pull it off. Like Depeche Mode is, I think, like one of the top tier. Like I'm not even going to count Rolling Stones because they're all starting to die off and they're just you know they're old man. Fucking boomer bands don't count. Yeah. But like our generation bands, like I think of Depeche Mode, I think of U2, I think of The Cure. And then I start running out of bands that can pull off this giant sort of mm. thing. And it just, it, it was just strange. So that was sort of like, while they were playing the stuff off the new album, which I don't care for as much, I was drifting around and sort of just observing <laughs> the rest of the shit. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was strange. And it's just, it sucks going to a concert where you're not really attached to the, the current album that they're touring. Because it's just, it's oh, new and it's yeah. like, whatever. So, I mean, you literally had to go through uh like a whole slew of the new stuff before they got to anything that was kind of fun and so it was like <laughs> you had to go through like uh like the first six songs ish before they got to everything counts and then the place kind of lit up again <laughs> and then right. it's and then it's sort of like yeah that's this cool and then they go back into some like rando stuff uh, and then towards the end of the set, then you get like actual like greatest hits tour stuff that's more fan servicey. 
You know, and it was cool. Yeah. It's funny. That's why Billy Joel said, "I give up." He's like, "I can't outright my catalog." Like, w- what's the point? Yeah. Everybody shows up just wanting well, the mm-hmm. hit. So, well, I mean, I don't mind if they do new stuff. It's just this new album. Like everybody's going nuts about it. Like it's a return to form, and it's just it. It was all just sort of same same to me. Like apart from no, like it's Ghosts again. It's it's like. It's background music. It's techno. It's no, like, I'm. I don't get it. It's worse than their than than most of their previous three or four albums. I I I I'm confused by why everybody's so enamored of this one. I think everyone's just got the feels because it's a you know it was about remember you must die and and Fletcher died, but I mean, well they yeah there are there are better recent Depeche Mode albums people. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> so that was sort of the the. The gray area. It was sort of the, the devil's uh, bargain. Did like, Dave yeah, Gahan dance funny? That's yeah. all I want to know. Did he oh yeah, yeah. He like he twirled around like a whirling dervish and like flung his arms, and it was almost like a ballerina kind of routine. It, bits. It, and then occasionally he would like uh, turn his back to the crowd and like stick his ass way out and then wiggle it, and everybody would go nuts. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> so it was just weird because it's just so, literally him and uh, and Martin Gore. And then, like, the two other guys that they have to play, like, keyboards and drums. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a weird, it's sort of like, it's like the only comparative thing I think of is, like, if, if The Edge and Bono just went out and did a tour as U2, like, this would be it. Like, you'd have the background guys uh, doing their thing. It's and then a they lot would be of nostalgia acts these days. Yeah, yeah. I, so I told Chris this on, on Slack, and he's not going to do it, but... Folks, if you want that greatest hits show, you really do owe it to yourself to check out Strange Love. They tour constantly. They're the tri- they're one of the best <laughs> tribute acts working, yeah. and their their lead singer looks exactly like younger Dave Gahan, and he does all the moves and the twirls. Yeah. And worth the pointing show. out, that's, yeah, and that's not a cover band like approved by the original band. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, it saves them the trouble of having to do the nostalgia yeah. act. Yeah, but whatever. But I mean, but by but, the time you get to the Chris, end of the, you left the house. Wait, you left the house. <laughs> yeah, and I you went to been a going to movies. Yeah, I like, went to a giant arena show. It was weird. Uh, <laughs> Gina, <laughs> so yeah, a Gina. But uh, but yeah, once you got to the end or later part of the set, it was actually pretty fun because then you know they do World in My Eyes, they did Stripped, uh, they did John mm-hmm. the Revelator, which was just weird to me because I just I remember that popping up in the aughts and. Like, I just heard it and went, oh, Depeche Mode has a new song out? Uh, and then they ended with Enjoy the Silence, which makes me think of Eric, mm-hmm. because when the summer of 89, when we were so bored, but we couldn't go do anything, we would hang out <laughs> in his rec room in his house, dicking around on guitars and stuff, and we would just do our version of songs, and one of them was Enjoy the Silence, but it literally was just us going, Enjoy the Silence, Island. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like hours of entertainment based on that God, fucking record. We were drunk on stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. But then when they come back for the encore, which is just, I don't know why bands do that. Why can't they just go, we'll be right back. They got to pretend like, oh, this is it. And then the crowd like sticks around and goes nuts. And it's like everybody pulls out their fucking cell phone and turns on the flashlight. Yeah. You know, I, instead of the lighter. Well, partially it's an excuse to just take a break because you've been putting it out there with yeah, yeah. a set closer. I know. And partially, I suppose it's an excuse if the crowd really does suck, you could just leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it wasn't because this place is packed. It was a sold out show. So it was like, 
you know, tens of thousands of people. It was crazy. And then they come back and they do an acoustic version of Condemnation, uh, just which was basically just Gahan and, and Gore. And they had like a stage that came out directly in front of the the main stage, so they could like walk out into the crowd, kind of a thing. And so they did this number in front of like the people that paid like a thousand bucks plus per ticket to be close. And then mm-hmm. they went into just can't get enough, which I'll be honest is probably my favorite Depeche Mode song. So I walked away happy because they played it and you get that riff and then you get the whole crowd singing along. Like yeah. this, just like, like tens of thousands of people just going, I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. And when I think about you, yeah, I mean, it's like, it was crazy. The place was just mm-hmm. like, at one point the band, like he, like a hunt, it's like few bands can do this where they just stop playing, hold out the microphone. And then the crowd just takes over and does the song. I was like, holy yep, yep. shit. I don't remember the last time I saw that. That was nuts. Uh, and then they ended with never let me down again, which was cool. And then mm-hmm. they, they, the big finale was personal Jesus, which I thought it's was always just, personal Jesus. Yeah. And the yeah. crowd like went crazy, and that was like the biggest fucking sing along I've seen in I don't know how long. It was just nuts. And all I could think about again was us dicking around <laughs> doing our version of personal pizza <laughs> instead of personal Jesus. So that's what I was singing along as. Which and they so, they like should my one, have my made their commercial. I can't believe we're the only ones who ever yeah, thought yeah. of that. That can't possibly be true. I, yeah, it, yeah. I've seen memes of it since you know since. Yeah. but yeah, come on that. That that just writes itself. Yeah. So, so it was good, but it, it sounds was, like it was you crazy. saw a a Depeche Mode concert the way they've been doing them, where they they tr- yeah they make you sit through the new album. I think I think I've seen other bands do a better job of sprinkling some of the older hits into right. their new material to keep the energy level up. Yeah, yeah. Than what it sounds like you got. Well, the problem um, with, with I, Memento Mori is it's just it's not an upbeat album. So no, it's not. yeah, so I agree with you. I think if they'd have peppered in maybe after the third song or something and got a, a number and then kind of like played with the flow a little bit more, it would have been good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it was like the first thirty minutes was just sort of like, Oh, I'm gonna fall asleep. Jesus. And then they get into everything counts and then it kind of pet back up. So it was all right. Yeah. I mean I've it got, was it was I've good. got tickets to see that tour in December in Vegas. So okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Wow. Hopefully that far they'll away. have the, the kinks yeah. ironed out. Yeah. What's so, that? I was, that's a long time off, but yeah, that's good. Yeah. But uh but yeah, show, given the, the amount of people that were there, it was a weird crowd. Like like we're in our fifties and it looked like we were the median age as sort of who was there mm-hmm. but it was like a lot of older like used to be goth in the 80s and so it's like people <laughs> that have that should know better than to dress in like the black leather pants and the whole nine yards but it's like they're there for depeche mode man you should have seen cruel world Chris. yeah <laughs> it was crazy and then you had like people showing up with their kid like little kids like like a mom who's basically in her 30s is like oh i love depeche mode so i'm gonna bring my kids and it's just it was the weirdest mix it was so strange so yeah i recommend it it was good if uh if you can handle the the new album even a little bit then uh you'll enjoy it i guess in 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 pop culture land this is what getting old is i can't i I, i'm Mm -hmm. not going to be here to hear about like what you know the 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 kids of today are doing when they find out that they're too old to go to concerts and not feel stupid but if you're if you're in your 20s it's like this 
Yeah. Here's the thing. Don't feel stupid. This is like, fuck it. No, nothing matters. Don't care. Go have fun. Don't care what you look like. You're not trying to impress anybody. You're just there to get a nostalgia hit and and be with around that crowd energy, right? Like that, yeah. that's all it is. It's, well, it's good it, stuff. It just made me think of uh, there's an English comedian named Jen Brister, and she's got a whole routine about like the way concerts are set up now. You have to buy your tickets so far in advance, and you forget about it. And then suddenly, like right before the show appears, you remember and you go, oh, fuck, I have to go to a show now. <laughs> and, that's, and that's kind of how I felt. It's like for, for like six months, we had this thing on the books. And then finally, like a week before, I was like, oh, God, now I got to work myself up into <laughs> going to see a live show. Yeah. I'm just so tired. And I rarely am ever up past like 1030 just because of the way my sleep schedule is. And so we were up until like almost one o'clock. I was so dead tired the next day. It was so crazy. <laughs> so, I don't know if I'll do another one anytime soon. Maybe that explains why I'm like, I never want to go out. And, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's always like snuck up late. on me like, fuck. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's, we, we keep a list. We keep a calendar on the fridge of the upcoming stuff we've got planned. Cause yeah, it, and I suppose if you do it sporadically, it might even be harder to work up that energy. Like you get into a rhythm. I don't right, know. Right, right, right. Anyway, so, I'm you glad go. you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm now I'm more excited about the December show. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It definitely picks up if you can hang at the beginning. But, uh, but you're yeah. like you're an Uber Depeche Mode fan. I'm just sort of a casual Depeche Mode fan. So, uh, yeah, I had no expectations going in. So it was good. Yeah, I'll probably get a little more out of it than I'll yeah, get yeah. more out of it than my wife even. But anyway, Brian also yeah, has a habit uh, of Eric, leaving the house. <laughs> yeah exactly uh, anyway that's Eric, my big I know news you've got yeah, some yeah. fun some some fun fresh shit this week yeah. yeah uh so i don't look at slack channel during the week we've kind of finished this this podcast <laughs> and i forget about it for two weeks uh the last i heard we were gonna do a show where we were gonna watch uh highwayman the 1987 pilot episode for the nbc show called highwayman and uh yeah well, apparently the, Explain the plan was Explain it. well. The plan was changed uh, in absentia, and so I actually watched it when I didn't have to. And um, the thing yeah. is, and that made me laugh. That yeah, made me laugh. So Joke hard. is kind of on me, <laughs> but you know what? Joke is kind of on you because this falls so so firmly into the so bad it's good character uh, category. You you wouldn't even believe. I mean, it, it can, is so bad it is brilliant. Yeah, can you? Could you imagine the pitch meeting for that? It's like, we want to do a show. We want to do Knight Rider mashed up with Road Warrior. What right. do you think? It's like, this is, can you imagine the executive trying to piece that one together? <laughs> this is, it's, and it's not just that. I think, see, I have this theory about television in, you know, like 70s and 80s where they knew what we know now, which is that the country is divided into farmland and city land and the two halves hate each other. So they would make <laughs> shows for one or the other, right? It's like CBS mm-hmm. at one point was nothing but Beverly Hillbillies and Petticoat Junction. And, uh, you know, other shows were all set in the city and were grimy and had a modern audience. This show was sort of in between the two. It's a federal law enforcement officer in a semi truck that's like nuclear powered and full of gadgetry that cruises the highways 
doing assignments to, I guess, uh, 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 um, I guess there's federal crimes that this guy investigates, but he's dressed in right. leather like a biker. He's in a semi that doesn't actually haul anything. Uh, and, yeah. and he, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And his explanation is, you know, every criminal in the country in one way or another uses the federal highway system. That's where I come yeah. in. And so he just Good drives word. around <laughs> and like solves Have crimes you- and like the A team only with like a, a government sponsor and a, a, a woman who gives him assignments over the radio who is herself, in fact, for some reason, a DJ somewhere in the country. I mean, yeah. like a real DJ, a I, radio DJ. It's, I it's full so of tried to music. watch this. Yeah, it's full yeah. of music. This is another thing in the 80s that shows would have current music, but they couldn't afford the recordings, the, the actual you know song rights. So they would just use the publishing rights and pay some band to record a version of it. And they... Oh, no. Yeah, so it's like a bunch of, like, for the time, current songs sung by someone in some studio somewhere. Uh, though they do have yeah. Huey Lewis's Hip to Be Square recording in it. DJ Lady starts off with, and now here's Hip to Be Square, like, the coolest fucking song you've ever heard in your life. You know, because yeah. it's 1987. Well, the, well you gotta realize that uh, this was towards the like the middle end of producer Glenn A. Larson's like massive cultural output of television. But we know him from doing like Battlestar Galactica, he did Buck Rogers, BJ and the Bear, Magnum PI, The Fall Guy, Simon and Simon, Knight Rider, Manimal, Ottoman. I mean, so basically he just took Knight Rider, a show he's already produced, and just mashed it up with Road Warrior because it was a and thing. And BJ and the Bear. <laughs> And PJ and the bear, and then you know, just put it out there. But I remember the truck had like the cab turned into like a, a, a helicopter yes. at some point in one of the later episodes. In the pilot, they episode. had like a in the pilot episode, oh, is it, it okay. turns into a helicopter, and in the pilot yeah. episode, the truck turns invisible. Nice, and they have a very weird explanation of he calls it into NORAD. And NORAD activates their satellite thing and makes the <laughs> shit happen. And they even try a sciencey explanation of how it's invisible. Um, yeah, none of that is like it, that is neither here nor there. What's what I think is fucking hilarious about this show is that it's it is a sci-fi Knight Rider kind. Of, it is very Knight Rider because he goes from town to town solving crimes. But yeah, it's the idea that it's modern sci-fi, soft sci-fi, but sci-fi mixed with uh that sort of rural dukes of hazardy kind of country fair it's kind of like he was trying to appeal to two audiences but right but the thing with this 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 pilot the the casting is amazing you okay g gordon liddy is the bad guy uh <laughs> the the biker oh, oh jimmy smiths jimmy smiths is the good guy the guy in the town who needs the help uh he's got a motorcycle gang that includes uh branscombe ridgeman the indian guy from um uh fernando lama's show i can't remember but he was all over 80s shit um oh uh yeah, that one. I can't remember the name. Yeah, of Yeah, he was. He was. Was Lorenzo Lamas? Wasn't that the Highland? Wasn't that the Highlander? No, 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 no. It no? was. 
it was uh he was like a biker vigilante cop whatever yeah, yeah. It was terrible it was it was it was all kinds of i think that was the name of the show biker vigilante cop <laughs> yeah. whatever yeah basically uh, it's like a Thursdays like a dick on CBS. i'm not even done yeah. that's like he's one of four guys in this motorcycle group and they're just in the pilot him yeah. michael berryman the bald guy from the hills have eyes uh rowdy roddy piper and oh uh that football player lyle <laughs> alzado they're they're and they're oh, just the pilot or, uh, and uh didn't claudia christian was she in the pilot or did she show up in the actual series she's the radio lady she's the one who shows okay. up like yeah gotcha. every week as the here's your assignment there's it opens yeah. with a a a poem about the highwayman that william conrad yeah does the guy from canon it's it's like this thing is wings hauser wings hauser is the henchman bad guy this thing is so full of 80s it it like it it hurts your teeth i gotta be honest when i when i pitched the show it was based entirely on a vague recollection of the series and i had just randomly watched the william conrad opening with that poem and i was like oh shit this is good. This is I. This is gonna be amazing. They say he came into this world from some place off the clock. That his mother was an ice cold wind, his paw a fiery rock. It's told that on some starless nights his rig could up and glow, and folks who say they saw it coming swear they didn't see it go. And I literally started watching, and I got about two minutes in. I'm like, oh fuck, no, this is awful, and I'm not gonna. I can't. Yeah, and I'm not going to make my my friends do this. And then you didn't get the text, so you ended up doing it anyway. It's amazing. Yeah, and what was my note? What was my note? So bad, it's good. Good call, because it was. Oh. It, you absolutely should have watched it. It was like amazing uh, to watch. Maybe it was well, amazing because it's also full of that '80s writing that is like yeah. a bunch of uh, uh, smarmy kind of one-liners. And allusions to action that happened, but we didn't have the budget. Yeah. Well, I'm just upset that the the actual pilot poem narration changes once the Does series it? starts, and it's like a totally different. Yeah, it's not even a poem, really. It's like there's a world just beyond now where reality runs a razor thin seam between fact and possibility. I mean, it's like right. oh god. Well, that that that's yeah. on a highway. Let's let's get let's calm down, everybody. Yeah, that yeah, speech yeah, yeah. was long. <laughs> that speech was long. I mean, yeah, they had to cut yeah. it down. Fucking it, long. It's like ninety seconds long. It, it reminded me of something like Stephen King would write for like the Dark Tower series or some shit. You know what I mean? It just had that vibe about it. Nah, it it, it so was stupid. more like um the Sam Sam Neil Sam Neil Sam Shepard Sam Sam Mustache guy. Who is uh, oh, does Sam the narr- Sam Elliott does the narration for Lebowski? Yeah, right up Sometimes to the point where he says, "Oh, I'm, I'm going off again." Uh, you know, it's it's that kind of thing <laughs> where somebody he just kept going and going and going. This pilot also has a fuck ton of explosions. It is total yeah. uh, uh, middle school boy fare. I mean. No wonder yeah. I liked it. I'm watching this thinking I'm in junior <laughs> high going, oh, fuck yeah, they just blew up a yeah. bunch of fucking cop cars. Woo! And, and Wingshauser. I guess you don't remember the show at all, Brian. Uh, but it may, it, they did, it lasted yeah, like, it lasted like eight episodes. So it was, it yeah. was gone before anybody had a chance to find it. It's amazing. Well, and one last I think, thing. I remember it was on, it was on Friday nights. On one last NBC. thing. I uh, worked at uh, Abco Bag and Groceries in high school, and one day 
the I guess uh, uh, whoever does this sort of thing for the show came in to buy just an an a massive amount of groceries because they shot that thing in Arizona, and I, I guess they they needed stuff for the the, the craft food craft services. services. Something happened, yeah. and they had to like go to a store to buy it. But I was like. They shoot that here? Oh my god. Do you know Jacko? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Jacko, the battery guy. Good lord. Okay. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to you got to like give it more time oh, because god. it there is a there is an actual um um genre called so bad it's good and this is definitely that. Okay. Okay. That's my thing. Awesome. Right on. All Thank right. Thank you. So I will I will tell you another thing that will eventually be Eric's thing. Uh, let's talk about John Wick Chapter Four. Why just Eric? Um, I like. Well, John that's Wick. fair. I yeah, tire. Fair. I tire well, I mean, of John Wick. I've had enough. Of John yeah. Wick. You lie. Okay, so that's interesting because John Wick Chapter Four is absolutely more John Wick, right? Like it. <laughs> it is. Almost three it's, hours long. It's the wickiest. No, 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 not getting wicky with it. No, 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 not getting wicky with it. Uh, no, okay. I hear um, Keanu, Keanu Reeves like looked at the original at the script before shooting, and he literally cut out all dialogue. He only has like three hundred. Oh yeah, he only speaks he's, like a three hundred and sixty words in the entire movie. He's he's he speaks like monosyllabic one word <laughs> lines. Like that's it. Like, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much. People keep does. asking me but, if I'm back. Yeah, I'm back. This is that's it's the fourth god, and I tell them it's the fourth goddamn movie. What do you think? I'm still making money <laughs> off of this thing. Yeah, I'm back. I've been back for I a mean, while now. I, yeah, I mean, I'll see I mean, it. So I'll it's, see it. It's it's the movie you expect it to be. It's you know a bunch of just suddenly there's even more lore about the high table and whatever and and new rules we've never heard before that drive the whole thing but really it's just about creating a scaffolding to put some big ass stunt sequences into yeah and they keep delivering like they keep coming up with creative stuff it's it's literally a video game plot like the whole thing is a video game right it's just keanu is the character going through the various levels on the way to the boss or or whatever right yeah. and and to the extent that one of the um, set pieces that they come up with is this entire John Wick, you know, kills a bunch of dudes action sequences done as very long takes from a camera that is overhead over the set. Oh. So the whole thing is shot like the video game Loaded or Hotline Miami or the original or Grand Theft Auto. Nice. Yeah, it's it's like that, and it's and so what's cool about it is that you can see how the choreography works, and you've got you can see the bad guys entering the scene from the other room, and you can see the moment where John Wick notices they're there, and it's 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 incredibly detailed choreography, and it goes on and on and on. Um, that's that's a pretty cool scene. There's a there's another scene where there's a big fight like in traffic in front of the Arc de Triomphe in France and and another one which is like the full on like 90s or 2000s these movies where it's in a it's in an underground club and there's all these you know people dancing and there's water falling and and the funny thing is that like while the fight's going on this brutal brutal fight 
people just keep dancing, right? Like they're just yeah. ignoring it. You know, it's it's all stylized, it's all action. It's you don't go for the story or the plot. You go for the crazy set pieces. And uh, I mean Donnie Yen is in this one as a blind and guy. And he's right? playing yet another blind badass yeah. and yeah, he steals the show. Donnie Yen is amazing in John Wick 4. <laughs> I mean, here's an, I- yeah. here's an idea it's, for a movie about a guy who keeps opening nightclubs and they're all underground nightclubs and every time he gets one that's popular, somebody comes and does like a shootout in it and he's like, God damn it, and he has to close the club down and start over again. <laughs> because this Maybe. same club appears in so many movies. I, I Do you remember that, that Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx thing where Tom Cruise was a hitman and he goes to like some club to shoot somebody? He There's a shootout in a dance club and everybody scatters but the scene takes 10 minutes and somehow for 10 minutes, people are still scattering are still running around this. It's like they're, 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 they're bouncing off of walls and going back the other direction or something. People never seem to leave the dance club. Oh, oh, yeah. that's what's amazing about John Wick four is they do scatter and run out after the sequence ends. Now they're all going to leave. Like we've been watching people die in front of these people for like 15 minutes and they're not yeah. worried about it. But like once that's yeah. over, we better leave. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, the the only real sad thing about this is that uh Lance Reddick, the guy that plays the concierge, uh died yeah. like last month and so he's not coming back. So it's just like that's that's always yeah. a, not a fun thing to watch when when somebody who's in one of these things like just dies suddenly it's just Every, sad yeah it's funny how many people I mean, were in the wire and now they're all dying him omar just, interesting yeah i wonder I'm, if there's I'm, a I'm gonna give a small spoiler it's fine because the concierge dies very early in this movie oh <laughs> maybe they knew maybe they knew they I sh- don't know. yeah they should <laughs> they should pull like a black panther yeah i don't know oh god well anyway <laughs> so there's that and then i want to talk about some other movies here and you guys aren't going to have much of a frame of reference on any of this, but um, again, trying to trying to distract myself and keep my stress level low, did go see the Super Mario Brothers movie. Ah, okay. Um, Good. It is not a movie. I don't know what it is. It, first of all, it's very much for kids. Okay, it's a kids movie. There's, I don't know how this thing got a PG rating. I don't know why it's not G. There isn't even a fart joke in this thing. Um. You don't play a Mario game for the story or the plot or even the characters. And you do it because you maybe you'll get to this... fuck Peach. Well, that's Bowser's <laughs> motivation. Uh, but uh, um, you do it because maybe you'll it's get to fuck game. Luigi. There you go. So this is this is like video game references the movie. Okay, like. I can see how little kids would like it, and I can see how old people who've been playing Mario games are getting a honk out of this. This movie is made to be picked apart frame by frame on Reddit, because every frame is just full of references to Nintendo stuff. And that's what it is. And if that's at all entertaining to you, great. Good for you. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I'd rather watch Wreck-It yeah. Ralph. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the thing. So... Uh, the other night, I'm just again, I'm just trying to find something that I can like fall asleep to or whatever, and I put on Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Oh, that's the new which one. I, 
do yeah. not care about, okay? This is Puss in Boots where they were inspired by the crazy rendering styles of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and so like when there's an action scene they animate on twos and the and the thing gets very stylized and and there's no like in-universe justification for it. They just change art styles. It's almost like it it's almost like when they when they do those like animation anthologies and they give different, you know, famous animators a swing at, you know, do a Star Wars, right? And there's a bunch of different artistic takes on it. It's like that, except it's like, do this shot <laughs> or do right. do this action sequence in this movie. And the whole style of the thing just shifts gears whenever it feels like it. Um I remember being interested in seeing that because I saw the preview wrong. I thought the preview was that he died and then all of this happens in an afterlife. And I was like, God, that's an interesting concept. We kill the the character yeah. off in the beginning and then we follow his afterlife. Yeah. Kind of like there uh, goes his Coco. ninth it's life. not that, but he definitely does die because he has nine lives, of course, yeah. and he's on his last life and now he's having an existential crisis. Um, here's the thing. Puss in Boots has... They are trying way harder at making this movie than the Mario people are by a lot. Like this has characters and they have arcs and it has themes and plots and they resolve themselves and jokes that are jokes and are driven by the characters and the themes and the motivations and crazy hard work on the animation. Like people put so much effort into this fucking Shrek spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> and the Mario movie is blowing up all over the place and Puss in Boots I think got good reviews and didn't get a lot of you know like audience and Mario's the opposite it's getting bad reviews and big audience and is anyone surprised typical yeah no alright so yeah that's my compare and contrast of big fat <laughs> dumb computer animation movies of the last year Puss in Boots ain't Ain't that bad, I mean, really? It, Puss in Boots. At least you're always going to have Antonio Banderas, and he's got he's got yeah, that right? kind of BDE that makes you enjoy just about anything yeah. he does. I think, yeah, my favorite gag yeah. in the entire Shrek universe with Puss in Boots is when he's getting riled up to go do a fight, and then suddenly, like the laser light appears on the wall, and he just gets totally distracted and just does the normal cat thing, where he <laughs> keeps trying to find the yeah. laser light yeah. you know, when he chases it. It's like it's like that and when he looks up with the big wide dark just sad eyes just out of nowhere i mean it's just like it's totally like whoever did the animation for that understands cats to a t <laughs> and it just it makes me laugh every time so yeah 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 this movie this movie you know does have some shrecky bits but but they're good like there's a jiminy cricket knockoff character who's like trying to talk to the villain played by john mulaney who's big jack horner and oh, um, and he's like Hey, let, and he talks in like this Jimmy Stewart. Hey, let's let's consider the moral uh, impacts of your behavior, and it just you know, no, that's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, as an in between, I saw a uh, Philomena Kunk uh, thing, um, and she, she I don't remember exactly what she was talking about, but the, the bit she was talking about, she said, and and then we domesticated dogs for companionship and cats. For whatever the fuck reason we have cats, I thought of you, Chris. <laughs> Which is true. It's true. It's very true. He's the re my cat's the reason I don't get any sleep. It's just crazy. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah. So I guess that's the fresh it. So Eric, are you are you clear on the topic that we are yes. now discussing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Once I got the we topic are- uh, down, I was like, oh, this is a lot easier than watching Highwaymen. Yeah, right. Chris, state state the topic because okay. because this, there's a there's an asterisk on it, right? Uh, so basically, this is uh, movies based on TV shows. Asterisks, not fucking Star Trek because no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that worked. Don't do the one that worked. Yeah. Don't do the one that was artistically exactly. and financially successful. I'm, no. I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make it a challenge for you. Uh, so. So yeah, basically, because Wrath I mean, of Khan, go- and then we're done. I mean, let's face it, Wrath of Khan yeah. is better than any film we're going to mention going forward. Yeah, I didn't want to scuttle the topic, so that's why I <laughs> negated Star Trek. Plus, you guys will ramble on for hours and just, Jesus, no, I'm not going to do it. So <laughs> so, uh, so I thought we, we could talk about that, because it's, it's weird, because TV, I mean, it's literally been around since like the 50s. And we didn't really start seeing movies based on TV shows like as a thing until about the nineties. I mean, we've had a few show yeah. up here and there, but it didn't really TV? become like a, a soup like a subgenre until the nineties. TV was always the ugly, dorky, uh little sister of movies. Like Yeah, you know, it just <laughs> no one ever thought much of TV. Even actors were like, Ooh, doing TV? No, I want to do movies. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So, like, you would even have, like, TV shows that were based on movies like uh, uh, Private Ryan. Anybody remember Private Ryan? Oh, sure. Not Private yeah, Ryan. Private Benjamin. There was Benjamin. a ton of that. Private, Private Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like shit, uh, shit TV shows to cash in on a movie. There's, yeah, that, yeah. That's a whole other episode of the podcast, <clears throat> of shitty like, TV yeah. shows based on movies. Well, and the yeah. ones that get me are the ones that, like, show up years, like, decades later. Like, they did that recent Lethal Weapon show. And it's just like, wh- who, why? Why? There's yeah. no reason for this. It's just, come yeah. on. Well, it's all based uh, on the inability but, to have an original idea, like when they came, brought back Bionic yeah. Woman or yeah. uh, Knight Rider. Whatever. Yeah. So movies based on TV shows is kind of a weird deal because, A, you don't, see in, you don't get a lot of them until, like I say, until about the 90s when nostalgia really kicks in. But even among the movies being made, there seems to be like three basic types. Like there's this, just the straight serious uh, reimagining of said show where it's just mm-hmm. a straight up like redo. Uh, then you get the ones that are sort of like comic versions of like action shows right, and drama shows. spoof yeah, yeah. of the thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for stuff like that, you get, and Bewitched. we get into it, but it's like Dra- Bewitched, Dragnet, 21 Jump Street. Uh, Baywatch, Starsky and Hutch. This was yeah. going to be my question. Yeah. Like, like which version yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and then there's the ones that then, are full on continuations of the show, like Downton Abbey, where they don't even change right. the cast. It's just a movie version yeah. of the show you've been watching. Or Serenity was from Firefly, uh, that sort of thing. And then you just get the straight up weird ones where they've just chucked everything but the basic concept and are just doing whatever, like Land of the Lost. Or Masters of the Universe. It's just like they're they're basically the the same IP, but it's just they're just, it's just a name only. 
G.I. Yeah. Joe, I guess, could be one. I mean, it's just, they're just I mean, weird. Th- that feels more like there was, well, in both the G.I. Joe and in the um, Masters of the Universe case, the the TV show wasn't even the the thing. It, those right, were right. both Toys. products in and of their own, and, yeah, the, yeah. and the movies and the TV are marketing, yeah. right? So, so it's, just, it's just weird. Uh, and then another one that I'll asterisk and negate just for the purposes of this episode is if it's based on a like a sketch from a like SNL or SCTV. I don't really oh, count that yeah. as a made from TV. I mean, it's a character, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. So, so we don't have to throw in like any of the SNL stuff or Strange Brew or any it of is that stuff. So interesting it's- though, the ones that like okay, there's there's ones like the A Team where they legit yes are are are. I guess, how do we put it? They like their source material, and then there's ones like yeah. Bewitched, where they're straight up making fun of their source material. Like where sh- they yeah, could shitting give- on it, yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> my, my assumption was that the, if we were going for favorites, we were going for the ones that, that were serious, that were like adaptations of a TV show to I movie mean, format. if that's how you read it, but basically it just picked the one that you enjoy the most uh, that works on whatever level it's trying okay. to do yeah. i mean so it's so i mean because there's a there's quite a few out there that actually work i mean there's a sh- there's a shit ton that just don't like why would you make car 54 where are you it's <laughs> a movie yeah nobody knows it's like, it no ouch yeah the that one reason just i think to me. do that i think the good reason to do that is if well again nobody has an original idea but if you do that and nobody yeah. knows it you can do anything you want they could have potentially made a good film if they had yeah, ignored the series. You know, like, yeah. I get, I get the ones where they're trying to say, "Hey, maybe we could, we could revive this IP and start a new generation of a franchise." Right. Like the right. Little Rascals movie was an attempt to do that, right? Yeah, like, or or even the Get Smart movie with yeah. Steve Car- Carell. Which, right? yeah. I could see how they were trying to make Get Smart happen, or there, Inspector, but, or Inspector yeah. Gadget. They made yeah. that into a movie. I mean, Chips, Chips. was one that I they. Mean, they, same idea, but just a different tone, a different direction. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. it's just a weird deal. But then they do stuff like the Honeymooners, but then they recast it with like Cedric the Entertainer as Ralph Cramden, Mike Epps as Ed Norton. It's like, it just, none of it makes any fucking sense when they just take these like random IPs that have classic status and that's literally what they're doing. Like even Brendan Fraser did, t- like he did a Dudley Do Right, and he did George of the Jungle. George of the Jungle, which again are mm-hmm. just they're cartoons, but it's like that. Like the nineties were just chock full of these aren't, things. They would just those slap both them over the wall. Jay Ward cartoons too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Brendan Fraser is everybody in the Jay Wardiverse? <laughs> yeah, or basically, basically. Or whatever? basically. Okay, so it's just it's just funny. Uh, yeah, but then I started thinking about like what would be the earliest instance of uh, a movie based on a TV show. Uh, like in the sixties, you had Gun. the Thunderbirds. Gun. Which one? Uh, nineteen sixty-seven. Gun? Gun, based on uh the uh uh Peter Gunn. Is that based on really? It's actually okay. the same actor, okay. and it's it's Blake Edwards. That would I think that's the first one I can think of. Anyway, okay, because I because I immediately went to the Thunderbirds, which maybe more like the the continuation of the series kind of a thing. But you had Thunderbirds or Go. And Thunderbirds, yeah, 6. that's more the the movie Thunderbirds, the movie, yeah, than, yeah. Um, 
uh, a movie based on it. Yeah. yeah, and then I tried to think of stuff in the 70s, and I just came up blank, and I didn't really investigate too hard, because it's just, I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. But then you get to, like, the end of the 70s, and then you get the weird ones that are uh, basically the television pilot that doesn't get picked up, so then they just decide to release it theatrically, so the Buck Rogers in the 25th Century pilot didn't yeah. get picked up immediately, so they just put it out yeah, as a movie. Count. And so it's like, okay, whatever. Count. Uh but like for so me, it it's has like the to be first one I can where really... people know the show, right? I mean, right for 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 this yeah, certain yeah. purposes of our discussion, yeah, right. So the the first one I can legit think of uh, was Dragnet from '87 with oh, with no, Ac- I've got an earlier one, really. I've got an okay, one, hit me, and hit it me. was it it's I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's near the top of the list, and that's yeah. Twilight Zone the movie. Uh, see, I almost picked that, but that's uh, anthology movie series are just weird because it's like literally you're just slapping together four different episodes and calling it a movie so i have a hard time accepting that so yeah but so the that twilight one, zone this yeah. was not like this was not like rod serling got to make a movie with you know with some scripts they didn't do this was mm-hmm. legitimately like the twilight zone had been in syndication it was you know it was yeah basically a a done and dead thing they hadn't done the revival that was going to follow in 1984 on tv right, right. Um, so this was Spielberg and Joe Dante and, and John Landis right? basically going, Hey, we dug the twilight zone. Let's revive it. And I think, I think it, I think it stands on its own. I think it's, it's got, yes, three of the four things are in fact adaptations of real episodes of the show. So that's, that's kind of wonky, but. Well, it does make me think, I I I actually think we can do one better. Uh, 1979, the Muppet movie. Literally based on the Muppet Show because mm. it's all the same characters. So, uh, so what there's is, a few here and there. What are we? And we're, this is all still looking for the earliest example. I mean, it's just, it's just like they don't really start showing up in mass until the '90s. Because then you get that like, explosion of like Flintstones and Beverly Hillbillies and and a glut of blah, creativity. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody, yeah. you know, again, this is all because <laughs> we, for the moment, we don't have any comic book uh, IPs to milk right. the death and so we, yeah. we need to turn to you know fucking anything i mean i mean for yeah. a while we were we were looking at radio serials because we couldn't think of yeah, anything yeah. original that's true god the world so, sucks they- sucks so bad <laughs> sucks sucks so, sucks no so, no it's that the old people have the money and it can afford to go to like the depeche mode concert and so we're marketing the their nostalgia yeah, and their childhood exactly. back to them. Exactly. Say what you want about TikTok and YouTube. At least it's creators making something fucking now. Even if they're talking about old shit mm-hmm. like we do, <laughs> it's like, yeah. God wah, damn wah. it! I am tired of people doing uh, comic book <sighs> movies because I can't think of anything better. Yeah. So there you go. So, uh, so at this stage, yeah, I I just had prompted just pick pick the one that you think works the best or that you like the best. Uh, and then we can kind of roll from there. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's a straight up or if it's the the ironic or whatever, uh, as long as it's based on the TV show. Yeah. So, I are you sticking I, with Twilight Zone, Brian? Um, I'll I'll put Twilight Zone out there. I want to see if if you guys mentioned the other one that was okay, basically right. tied with Twilight Zone. Okay. What do you got, Eric? Okay, I will not. Do pick Star Trek because it's against the rules, but I would like to point out that this all happens really because of Star Trek. That there's this show <laughs> that was Nowheresville oh. comes out with a movie that competes with Star Wars of all fucking things, 
And that's when people yeah. say, oh, shit, we got to look at our back catalog. So like the very premise, in. the very premise yeah. of our show today is based on something I'm not allowed to talk about. So Yeah, because I didn't want to go on and on ad nauseum about fucking Star Trek again. Right. I mean, I'll give you All the, right. I'll give you the, your thesis. I don't disagree with I it. I grant you. Yeah, yeah, I give it to you, but I don't want to talk about Star right. Trek. <laughs> I will, and I will not mention it because it's shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, it's like, yeah, if yeah, I talk exactly, about Wrath of exactly. Khan, then, yeah, th- wh- what are we even doing here? Because it's yeah, genius. exactly. My technically, pick, Star Trek II uh, would be like Serenity. It's just a continuation of the TV universe. Right. So it's like, it gets into a gray area of sorts. Yeah. So yeah well, that's I the thing. You. It's like we have redos and we have yeah, continuations. Right. I didn't know, did we have like an actual ruling on that i figured it was whatever no 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 no, no. This it's is just the show. We as long as rules. as long as it's based i will do okay, this cool. though this will throw you for a little throw you for a loop i almost picked the untouchables mm. uh, but then i read up on it and it's not actually based on the tv show like art linson the producer did it off of elliot ness's biography and he said fuck the tv show we're gonna do a more gritty realistic version so it's not actually based on the tv show it's mm. based on the book that the tv show was also pulled from makes sense. so i don't know if that counts i don't know if that counts so i'm just gonna say no okay. so eric eric's there. got a pick yeah yeah, yeah. Get, okay let him get in well the reason i asked that though is because i kind of went i picked one for each okay my favorite right, right. that's about okay. what i did yeah my favorite that is uh i guess in universe as it were is charlie's angels it actually okay. takes place in the universe of the show. All the other angels make cameos. The the right. idea is that this is a continuation of that. And I'm okay. talking about so the one from the Zeros with uh the two thousand uh, Cameron Diaz. Well, that was that Aaron was Moore. my question. That was my question because they've done Charlie's Angels twice. Yeah. Right? And, and it's the same. And vibe. that's the only one I could think of yeah. where they've like done two at but both of them basically make the claim to be in the universe of the original. So is in fact the the new one with Kristen Stewart, Stewart a sequel to the other two or not? Yeah. I, I think, don't know. I think enough time passed that it can be considered just another. I, I don't remember movie. if they make any reference to. Uh, they do. Uh, 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 they do a little bit. To, no, no, to to the movies from the Zero to the McGee film. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, but it is it is like an ongoing remember. agency, so maybe. Well, yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that one up too because of the the cameos. Because that's the other thing. It's like that's almost a trope in and of itself with these things, where you got to get someone from the OG series to just show up randomly to kind right. of lead credence to the fact that this is an official universe. Blah blah blah. Because uh, like. Like you had the Brady Bunch movie, like had a shit ton of cameos from original cast members you had the beverly hillbillies movie that ha- like buddy epson just shows up for no reason as barnaby jones for fuck's starsky sake and like, hutch. Starsky, starsky and hutch starsky and hutch show up in yeah. starsky and hutch to give the yeah. big tomato to yeah yeah so it's like you almost have to have at some point a cameo somewhere to just sort of link it up you know what i mean to just remind people yeah. this was the thing so so Eric, so, yeah. Eric, you were supposed to say why it was, was sh- your favorite. I sure what? was. Uh, no, <laughs> yep. it's really good. It's uh, it's funny. It's ironic, but it's still got great action sequences. Uh, you know, everyone who's in it is actually trying. I loved that film. I just remember being so entertained and going, "Oh my god!" I thought this was going to be it, utter shit. It's actually grown in esteem 
uh, as I've watched it over the years because I hated it when it first came out. I thought it was just so vapid. But yeah. that's kind of the point. Kind of the point, uh, exactly. Yeah. It celebrates but that. But Bill Murray, yeah, Bill Murray was a great choice as Bosley. I will say, and yeah. the fact that they got Crispin Glover as the the thin, the smoking man or the thin man or whatever he is in this thing, and he doesn't have a lick of dialogue, but he's just yeah. he steals every fucking scene. I mean, that's amazing to me that that happens. And, but yeah, and he shows up again in the sequel, Full Throttle. They the sequel right. is actually mm-hmm. it it it's one of the better sequels because they understand what worked about the first one and they do it more. Right. Uh, so yeah, that would be my kind of based in universe one my favorite completely complete redo is got to be the fugitive that was yeah yeah okay that That was was yeah harrison ford uh as dr richard kimball on the run for a murder of his wife that he did not commit that was actually committed by a one-armed man now the tv show with richard jensen uh that took years and it was very incredible hulk where he went from town to town right right on the run from the cops and he was trying to prove his innocence this did it in under two hours and yeah again you have all of that yeah you have all that tv show room to move and it gets flabby when you have to like condense it down to less than two hours the shit moves and this thing is so good god harrison ford and Tommy Lee Jones going toe-to-toe, Battle of Wits. Oh, fuck. It's still great. Still so great. This is yeah. the movie that made Tommy Lee Jones a star. Like, well, I mean, he he, around, he, but he's been doing stuff, but yeah, but this like one ex- exploded. Above him. the title star of a movie. Huh. Every hen house, farmhouse, outhouse, doghouse in a six-mile radius. <laughs> I There's like, a scene in there yeah. that my favorite part of the movie is there's a scene where he's in the tunnel. And he says to him, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones says, yeah. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and later. And it's so funny. But yeah, later on, Harrison Ford, they're getting like all sorts of calls from people saying they're Richard Kimball while they're doing this manhunt. And so, yeah. yeah, somebody says, hey, you know, Inspector Richard Kimball, one, one. And he gets on the phone like, yeah, oh, Dr. Kimball, how you doing? You know, because he thinks it's bullshit again. And Harrison Ford yeah. says, what did I say to you in the tunnel? And then the whole scene <laughs> changes. It's just his yeah. whole manner goes, it's, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's. I think part of it is, too, because one of the co-writers is David Toohey, who would go on to do Pitch Black and the Riddick stuff, and he's, and, like, the arrival, and he's just, he's got a knack for sort of that pulpy thing, but mm-hmm. not in a ridiculous way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that helps. Uh, but yeah, the funniest thing about The Fugitive is that when you look back, it's like it's got Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford, which are two actors now who are known as probably the two most irascible <laughs> actors <laughs> on the planet. And it's just funny to see them act together being yeah. irascible. And it's just funny. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I, that's a good choice right there. Awesome. All right. Chris, what were your picks? Uh, so I had toyed with Fugitive, but I think for the straight up just regular adaptation. Uh, I got to go with Mission Impossible from 96. The De Palma really? with Tom Cruise. Really? It, I hated it when it first came out, but the more I watch it, the more it actually makes more sense to me as a as a movie adaptation of a show like Mission Impossible. It just works. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. yeah, and it's certainly the most successful of all of these. Yeah. Spawning endless sequels. Yeah. yeah. And it's just but fun. It's the just least, like it probably the least successful of its own series, though. I mean, it's the one. Yeah, that's like, and that's what's. Yeah, I think almost probably because 
Tom Cruise didn't officially have the reins of the series yet. It's like after this, right. he was like, yeah, he, he, he said, you know what? No, this is all mine. Me, me, me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it blew, it blew up into just, it blew up into the Ethan Hunt show after that. But yeah, this yeah, is just a straight yeah. up, like, this is Mission Impossible. The bones are there. It's literally just them doing the thing. And it's an improvement. Did they even on, do the cameos in the first one? Uh, I think isn't I, I think I think so if I remember correctly. Uh, Martin Landau shows up in this movie, I think. At some point. I don't remember. Yeah. But it's just but the cast or is Peter good. Graves. The the action is yeah. The action's fun. Uh and it's definitely an improvement over the series cuz if you try to watch the original series, it's just a slog, man. The 60s they didn't know they didn't understand pacing at all. And so it's just like just this slow burn from start to finish and it's just like snooze town. So at least this one injected some fun into it. So uh, I enjoy that. As far as the the comedy reimaginings, I almost went with Brady Bunch movie, but it's a little too much. It panders a little too much to the fan service. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, eh. So I'm going to go with 21 Jump Street on that with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. And they have the, the requisite cameos and the whole nine yards, but it's Lord and Miller doing this version and it just it's funny from start to finish because they play with the idea of these grown men in high school undercover uh and I still haven't watched this i know yeah. i should and you one should. was it is, a bully to hilarious. the other one and somehow they yeah. become friends as cops because yeah. they've grown up but now they have to go back to high school where all this shit you know was originally yeah. horrible i like that and, but yeah. what yeah, but where the where the trick comes in with the with the story, which actually is, was a genius move, was they take these two guys. One was like the the jock knucklehead, and one was like the smart guy nerd. And their chief Ice Cube is gonna enroll them in classes to fit that. Uh, but they fuck it up when they're on assignment, and so Channing Tatum ends up being like the the science chemistry nerd, and. Jonah Hill ends up being like the drama guy and whatever, like the, the the thing. And then they end up like exploring these whole other aspects of their characters. It's just so weird and it works on every level and it's funny. And so it's just yeah. them trying to bust a drug ring. That is, and that is an in universe show though. That is a sequel continuation because Johnny uh, Depp and uh, Peter DeLuise show up. Yeah. But, but it's also, it's an ironic comedy version of that because it's just, it's a straight up comedy from start right. to finish which the show was not they have to acknowledge that the premise is ridiculous yeah, yeah. right like, so so it's it's a little a 21 jump street is, yeah, yeah. has always been ridiculous so it's a winky winky nod uh so yeah it, it works so i think they tried doing it. that shit in the 80s though i think that was a real attempt to try and like mix spies in with the kids that wasn't mm-hmm. like based on nothing it's just that the original attempt was fucking stupid who can't tell yeah. that you know <laughs> that that kid from gym class is actually thirty? Who who can't yeah. know that? You know? Well, well, that's the running joke in the movie. Was all that like the kids just like keep pointing at Channing Tatum is like, and what's up with this guy? Why does he look forty? You know, it's like they just totally <laughs> blow out the whole thing under you know. So it's it's fun. I, you should watch that sometime, Ryan. It's actually sure. very fun. Yeah. Yeah, the older I get, the more, the more I'm like, I really don't care about high school, and that's what keeps me from pulling the trigger. But right. yeah, I know it's supposed to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so oh, you don't mean suicide? You mean one. watching a movie? Yeah, I yeah, heard yeah. pulling the trigger, <laughs> and I was like, what? Wah wah. There you go. No, none of us mentioned my other uh, number one. What? Which I think is potentially the at this point the definitive version of this IP, and that's the Adams Family. Ah, see. I didn't care. I negated that one. That was my initial choice, but it's actually 
it, the 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 full genesis of it. It's, it's the TV show is actually based on the the comics by right. Charles Adams. Yeah. So yeah. I was I expelled it on a technicality, but I do agree with you. If that makes I mean sense. at this. I mean, it's been adapted to a movies again as an animated thing that looks yeah. more like the the illustrations. Right, but right. I mean, if anybody, if you just say the Adams family mm-hmm. now, Raul, Julia, and Angelica Houston is what's going to pop into people's minds. Like they're not going to think about the cartoon. They're not going to think about the TV show. That's the Adams family. Yeah, they're going to think about that and the pinball machine. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. and, and, and we, maybe the I uh, watched. Yeah. Maybe the MC Hammer. I rewatched the first Adams Family, the first Adams Family movie recently, actually. Right, and it holds up. It actually holds up better than I remember because I remember being irritated because the first the first movie is predicated on the notion that Uncle Fester is not actually Uncle Fester, but is a is an imposter, but he really is Uncle Fester, and that bugged me because there was a piece out of place. But uh, upon a rewatch, it didn't bug me. It was just a good time, and Angelica Houston is. Frickin' perfect mm-hmm. as Morticia. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, that was definitely... Um, I, the only thing about that movie I liked was the casting. I thought the casting was absolutely perfect, particularly Raul Julia. Yes. But after yes. that, yes. I was like, and? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. it it works for me on a bunch of levels, but I think uh, it, it isn't hurt by the fact that they got Barry Sonnenfeld to direct. Uh... And I think this was his first actual director gig after he'd done a bunch of stuff for the Coen brothers as a cinematographer. Like, he's the guy that, that basically... Right? Yeah, he's the guy that basically orchestrated all of that opening scene nonsense in Raising Arizona with the camera moving here and there and, like, everywhere. So he's a very visceral, visual uh, filmmaker. And it totally works for the, the Adams Family vibe. And so it's just sort of... Uh, moves on. He would go on to do Wild Wild West uh, later in the 90s, and that is, mm-hmm. that is a movie adaptation of a TV show that just should not exist. That's a stillbirth from start to yeah. finish, and I fucking hate it. Uh, but the fact that he did The Addams Family uh, justice is a thumbs up for me. Definitely. The most Well, alright. The most embarrassing thing Will Smith ever did in public until he slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah okay you're forgetting about gemini man but anyway yeah. um <laughs> yeah yeah wah, wah. all right so i think we did it uh hey folks it, it appears so it appears oh you know what we all forgot right. uh naked gun which sort of counts but that's more of a continuation mm, yeah it's good. it would have had yeah. to be named police squad for me to count it if i was if i was oh, to really yeah. go through the list of ones though that are like bad but good i'd be like the a team Totally has to be on that list. The A team was yeah. so silly; it was wonderful. I mean, we've all seen that one, right? Have you seen that one, Brian? Of course, I haven't. Why would I watch that, Wait, dude? No. Why dude, would you, you watch that, they, Mister? I went to see the Mario Brothers movie. Fuck yeah. you, dude. I will just say this, Brian. Uh, <laughs> Liam Neeson as Hannibal is just pitch perfect. Uh, the cast is very well done, but there's a whole sequence where they're in a tank that has been dropped out of a cargo (laughs) plane on a parachute and they use the cannon to steer it so they can get over a lake so they don't die when they crash. It's the funniest fucking action sequence I think I've ever seen in my goddamn life and that's worth the price of admission right there. Because they actually, like, the planes are flying around giving the info to the the ground crews and they're like, they're flying a tank? I mean, that's the whole sequence. It's so amazing. Yeah. I think probably the and and just like it, there's a thing in that movie that in the end of it 
it's almost like if you've been enjoying this movie, shame on you. Like that's actually what the film says right. to you because there's all this <laughs> random insane shit that finally ends with the bad guy getting caught. And you know what? It was all part of the plan. I love it when a plan comes together, says yeah, uh, yeah. the colonel. Uh-huh. And it's like, wait yeah. a minute. That was all part of a, that. That. All those people who happened to be at the right <laughs> place. That. That was part of the. Fuck you, yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's literally the A-Team show in a nutshell. Especially with Four Season when they just started jumping sharks left and right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I agree. That That's a good runner-up. I'll call it the runner-up for Du Jour. Yeah. And All we'll, right. And we'll leave it at that so Brian can finish the show. <laughs> well, if you if you want to give me crap about watching Mario and not the A-Team, or if you've got a suggestion for the ones we missed, you can reach out to us. How do you do that? Well, first you have to subscribe to the podcast and rate it on iTunes and share it with your friends on social media. But after you've done your due diligence, you go to our websites, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and there you'll find all our old episodes. You'll find links to all the ways to find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, you, you know, the drill, and a link to email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with more uh, wacky fun next week. Word up. And soon.